overcoming procrastination and becoming more productive is something we could probably all use some help with. Well, today's guest is an expert on this issue. Olga Dagtereva used her first-hand experience of overcoming procrastination and becoming more productive as a scientist to become a productivity mentor for scientists. She created Productivity for Scientists Limited and she's helped people all around the world overcome overwhelm, become more productive and get in charge of their day while feeling happier in their life. She teaches through workshops, lectures, online courses as well as private and group coaching programs. As we'll discover, her wealth of insights are not just relevant to people working in the sciences, but can help regular people like you and me become more productive as well. I hope you'll enjoy episode 11 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast with me, Anthony Samaroff, and Olga Dagterieva. Olga, thank you for joining me. So I'm interested in hearing about how you began this journey to becoming a productivity mentor for scientists. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Well, I've been a scientist myself, so I had about 15 years in total of a career, starting with master's degree, then the PhD degree, then I had two postdocs, one after the other, and I had my personal fellowship from the Royal Society. It's the National Academy of Science here in the UK, and it's been a successful career, and my mom is a scientist, and I've been basically raised in this environment. And it's been a successful, I got lots of interesting results, collaborations, conferences, and presentations, and yet it's been a huge struggle, especially at some point where I just felt like I'm, I'm really... Uh, getting stuck and mm. my personal life is not getting anywhere and I was just getting really tired and overwhelmed and and the problem was that I, I felt really alone in this right and I felt like I can't really reach out to anyone or discuss it and I was mm. crying myself to sleep in the evening and and that that's what really was my low point even from outside I, I remember I looked really confident and successful and hmm. I just had that feedback oh Olga is a rising star in the science right. and right. so that's a contradiction right right and and this is when I hit the rock bottom hard and that was like a, a breaking point where I just really was about to give up on everything in myself but I reached out for help and since then, my life, as, as well as my career, still just went uh, uphill. So I reached out. I worked with the psychotherapists, the coaches. And since then, I just never stopped, mm. really. Events and seminars and read books. And I, I was just like, oh, wow, there is so much information mm. on this question that I'm trying to answer. How can you be successful and happy at the same time? Right, right. Right. You definitely don't want to trade one of those for the other. Yes. And then when I started to discover all those new approaches that I never knew before for the mindset, so my, my career went up 
uh, as well as as a personal life. So I got married and I had two little children at that time. I remember 2010 was a kind of pinnacle of my career because I've got an international prize for the, my contributions to the, the science. I was invited to give a keynote lecture because of this, and I remember giving that lecture and hearing my children in the in the corridor playing because I brought them with me to the conference. Mm. This was my way of defining my work-life balance, my happiness, and yeah. I published an extensive uh, review as a single author, and at the end of that year, well, towards the end of this year, that year, I remember people started to ask, you know, how do you manage to be so productive? And also you seem to be like satisfied and happy and fulfilled in your personal life as well. And I started my blog at the end of that year. And soon enough, I was approached, oh, can you give a workshop? And I oh, then I started to offer my services. So it's now it's seven years down the road. I've transitioned to like full time to give those services to coach scientists. This is my journey. Wow, great. It sounds like it found you. Yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. And it's lovely that you can give people help not to find themselves in the position that you found so difficult. You know, you're you're giving people the opportunity not to cry themselves to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, I have primarily women scientists working with me, reaching out to me. Also, my free resources are used by women and, and men scientists. Privately, in the group coaching programs, we work with women, and I create that circle, that space for them to mm. share, and they share often how frustrating it is, how difficult, how they don't have anyone to read. And this is what keeps me going. It's my commitment, or it's for, for myself back then when I was like this and I didn't know what to reach out. So I'm doing, I'm doing it because of that. Right, excellent. You're creating a lovely community for those people as well, of other people that they can lean on and learn from and share their experience with who have similar challenges and things in common. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, well, this needs to do some more work and expansion, but I already see that the ladies tell me that they've stayed in touch for two, like for one, two or three years, and they even... I went to travel and see each other if I, if I pair them as accountability bodies. And, you know, they they've never knew each other before. But now because they connect immediately because their situations are so similar, talking about the future, this is where I want to work more to create that community. I'm also eager to share some concrete strategies today with the, with the listeners as well. For sure. And that's something I definitely want to get on to. I just want to mention for everyone that they can go to your website and get a bunch of free stuff. Uh, a poster on overcoming overwhelm, a list of 126 ways to become more productive, and also your weekly productivity insights easing. So uh, for anyone listening, definitely get over to Olga's website. I just wanted to mention, so I'll let you lead on with that. I feel like starting with procrastination because right. if you mention productivity, that word comes to mind first right. because it's like a plague, right? The people are right. just 
really they want to do things but then for some reason they procrastinate and yes. it's really also like a negative impact on them right they it's right. ways around the uh, on their shoulders, right? They can't really relax in the evening. Yeah. If, if they think they haven't done enough during the day or during the weekend, their mind is not there, not with their family or with their friends. And, and then, of course, it affects our confidence because we feel like, well, we haven't done enough or right. we still haven't done that thing that we wanted. Right. right? It all sounds very, very familiar to me. I would say that for most of my life, I was a chronic procrastinator. It is a thief of human potential and of self-esteem and you do really feel bad about yourself when you can't bring yourself to do what you want to do. And uh, I mean, everyone should have some kind of procrastination training when they go to university. Maybe the universities could make that your first year course on productivity absolutely. and overcoming and procrastination. Absolutely. This is where you touched... Uh, a big issue because I went through university myself and then you get this academic training but you know you really you really need to also train in academic writing and overcoming procrastination especially in this day and age where we have so many technological um, advances but then they really are distractions so those te uh, technology, like electronic and technological distractions, our brain hasn't really evolved to deal with them. So it is too much for anyone, right. not just for some people who feel like, oh, I can't deal with so many news or social media, right? There are more and more of those, or, you know, email and and Skype and everything is actually not because you particularly are not good enough or you're just mm. not somehow not productive because you're born this way. It's actually our brain hasn't evolved. So it's actually important to have this conversation between us and say that it is difficult. Right. It is difficult to right. have so many distractions. People give themselves so much of a hard time for it, they don't realize that it is actually difficult and it means that there's something important for you to learn. And I have to say, one of the big problems for me with getting help was everyone I knew who was really productive had just always been like that. That's mm -hmm. what they'd always been like. So they never really had any insight into how if you weren't that way, you could become that way. And everyone who I knew who was a procrastinator had always been a procrastinator. I never met anyone who used to be a procrastinator, but somehow managed to figure out and stop. And so there was no one really to mentor me through the mm -hmm. stages of improving my productivity. And in the end, I had to discover some techniques myself and train myself. So. I'd be very interested to know your techniques and the, the way that you help people overcome procrastination yeah. and any insights that you could share that might be helpful yeah. for us. Yeah, and of course myself, right? I'm not immune to this, so I'm constantly testing those techniques and we're discussing them in, our, in my groups. So the, the first thing I think to realize is that it's not like the whole day or the, the whole of your life that needs to be changed. We are talking about short amount of time that you want to create a complete focus 
on something that you want to get done. So this is what I see in scientists that they say, oh, I need the whole day to write my paper, that there is nothing happening and I'm not being distracted. Or I need three to four hours. And this is where I help them to change that mindset that you can actually work in short amounts of time and it could be just one hour a day. And with some, we start with even one hour a week, which they kind of laugh about. What do you mean? How can I achieve anything? But if we start talking about the paper and writing one hour a week, by the end of two months, you had nine sittings. And in nine sittings of a complete focus and working in a focused way on your paper, actually doing the paper, you know, like writing the text, working on the figures, writing the figure captions, and not browsing, checking the information, getting distracted on the websites. You can actually achieve quite a lot. So in two right. months, even if at a very slow pace and a small focused amount of time, you can achieve something. And then maybe you meet with your co-authors and you say, this is what I've got. And they are like, oh, yeah, that looks good. And then there is a building up of a momentum and then it's a completely different reality then. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds excellent. I mean, it's so important, as you say, that people choose goals that are realistic and manageable because people will think, oh, I'm going to change my whole life. That's it. I'm going to do it. Right. I've got to do yeah. it. And maybe they'll work really hard for a day or two and they'll be like, yeah, I'm doing it. And it comes to the third day and they can't force themselves anymore. And they get more disillusioned than they were before they even got started. I mean, for me, writing was a big deal. It was like a special activity. Oh, writing. There was an aura around it which made it scary to approach. And the best thing I ever did was just create a discipline of say, well, do you know what? Just no matter what, half an hour a day, uh, I can stop at the end of the half an hour. And usually, sometimes I want to do more, but um, even if I'm, you know, 20 minutes in, I'm like, uh, I can persevere for another 10 minutes. And just having the discipline of doing it every day, a short period of time, made writing less of a, like, a different activity from anything else that you do during your day. It just made it a... One of the things that I did, and I, I can do it in the morning, and then it's out the way. But I find that if I do it, then maybe later on, I'm quite likely to want to do more. Whereas, so every day feels like a success. Yeah. Obviously, if I'm away, yeah. if I'm away or something like that, I might miss a day. But now that it's a routine, I can miss a day or even two days and just start again. Whereas, when you're just building a new habit. It's very hard to start again if you miss for a while. So yeah. it's just, it's just that's why people can't try and change everything at once. Because if you change everything at once, you'll change nothing if yeah. you try that. Because you've only got so much willpower to spend per day. And if you can just, as you know, as you've said, just set aside time for one sitting and make it a regular thing, and and that will help you improve your confidence because you're like well no matter what i've just got that one thing like at least if i do that one thing then i've, I've been successful and you can always build on top of that once it becomes less difficult absolutely so this is where what i find myself talking very often with my 
my clients, and sometimes even say 15 minutes a day because I've um, I, I've heard that expression. Yeah. You can write a book 15 minutes a day, right? right? So this is all about shifting from avoidance and negative feeling about your writing to becoming a friend with that. Right. So just checking in with that every day. Yeah. And like you said, if you write for 15 minutes, sometimes you, you feel like you can do 10 more minutes. But you yeah. know, I have here actually walked to my bookshelf and got this book, The War of Art. Break, right. through the blocks, right. uh, break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. This is by Stephen Pressfield. And right. I, I swear by this book, he described exactly what the procrastination yes. feels when you want to write yes and that this book is so important because it shows that even those famous people who wrote those books that we admire we we follow them we admire them they also have this inner creative battle so it's not about you it's not because you're not good enough it's right. because it is supposed to feel like this right so right. this is this is like an eye-opening Opening for many people I talk to. I would say that it's best. It's probably better to do fifteen minutes a day for a week than three hours in one day, because the main skill is learning to get started. The main difficulty for people is getting started. Yeah, just a couple more other strategies to really help our listeners. In, in terms of procrastination and writing. So one other thing that we talked with, with my client is definition. You need to define what are you going to write because as a reality for scientists, they have many projects on their plate and sometimes it's they have like five papers they want to write or eight papers they want to write or for students it's like many chapters so we talk about which one are you going to start with so this definition which one you're going to start with today and the other one is start breaking it down into smaller doable manageable tasks right such as working on your figures and putting them into the paper or writing a paragraph in the results section writing a paragraph in the introduction writing figure captions. So it's like a small doable ta uh, tasks. I even encourage them to create a list of those tasks so that they can tick them off every time they sit down. And it could be 15 minutes window that they've got between their mm. meetings or something. And this, this really changes how they view the writing because when they usually sit down, it's like this enormous right. thing. Like the thesis, you know, it's enormous. Right. And then, of course, immediately they lose their courage mm. and they don't know where to start. They don't know what to write. And when they have this list of tasks, they can choose. You know, they can mm. choose an easier one if they don't feel so fresh or productive. Uh, or they can choose a more difficult one and tackle it if they feel more productive today. So this is one, and their their final strategy that I want to share for today regarding their uh, procrastination and writing, it's to allow yourself to write imperfectly. Right. Now, it's because a lot of us, and I discovered it by talking to many scientists now, that they they believe that they, they should write um, a perfect sentence, the one that will be published in the end, but this is so 
so not true. If the papers are not written, they are rewritten, or the books are not written, they are rewritten. So it's really important to, to talk about this and, and for the people to realize that you need to allow yourself to write imperfectly in a way to create a bad draft, the one that you put down and you walk away from this and you come back to read, maybe in tomorrow or in a week's time, and you look, oh, this is so bad, yeah. and then you write it in right. a way it shows you how it shouldn't be. You know, right. it's like you springboard, right? It's something right. for you to, um, yeah, get that momentum from. And then um, really allow yourself to put these words down. Not that because you're a bad writer. It's supposed to be like this. So um, the, because I see a lot of um, scientists, a lot of people really freeze there when when they think they they say they delete more than they write. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so it's really important to allow yourself to write imperfectly. So this is right. this is my main strategies for overcoming procrastination in terms of writing. So to summarize, what what we talked about is to give yourself those smaller chunks of time, uh, not the whole day, but smaller chunks of time, as little as one hour or even 15 minutes to build up the habit, then befriend your writing instead of constantly avoiding it, then break your writing down into smaller chunks that you know exactly what you're going to do in the 15 minutes, and then allow yourself writing imperfectly. What do you think, Anthony? Oh, well, I'm really loving hearing you talk about it because this is so to the core of how I've become a productive, more productive person. And just, I really identify with what you're saying over, instead of thinking, I want to work on my book, you think, well, I need to work on section 4A and 6B and 7 and you just write the specific areas that need work so that you've not just got this very vague idea of your in your head, which is, oh, I need to work on my thesis. That is scary. That sounds like something that's going to take, you know, 100 hours or more to write. But if Absolutely. you've got small, manageable chunks, and it seems to me that everything that is nebulous and vague and unclear in your head creates a lot of resistance but anything that's clearly defined is a lot easier to act upon because you've got the gentleness of actually knowing what you're doing rather than feeling around in the dark yes absolutely another thing that you help people with is their confidence in their work and in approaching their work and can you tell me a little bit about that please yes especially because confidence and and how i help people with that is really related to what we've talked about just now Mm. it's because somehow our mind is focusing on what we still need to do what we have not done yet Right, you know how we go in in our mind like, oh, what I still need to do today. Even if we sit at the meeting or we are like going somewhere, but we are like all constantly in the future. I haven't done this yet, mm. or I'm behind on this. So this is where a lot of our attention goes. But this is also affecting our confidence. It's right. actually putting it down. Mm. So. But really, in reality, we do a lot of things. Mm. We've done a lot of things 
in our life and or in the next three months or in the past week, but somehow it doesn't get acknowledged as much. So this is what I, I help people. This is how I help people to increase their confidence. And this is what we do <laughs> strictly with all, with all my groups and, and the private coaching clients at the beginning to acknowledge what have you done in the last two weeks. So we usually meet every two weeks. And then many of them can't even remember or can't say because they say, oh, I wanted to do so much more. So there is a lot of judgment in this. But some people do, you know, do write down um, for us to discuss what they have done and they're loving it. They say, oh, I forgot about all those things. I've done so much. It makes me feel so good. So this is the first positive reaction uh, out of this exercise, right? You could write down everything you've done, and I encourage for all aspects of your life, not just for work, because I work a lot of with mothers, and they do so much for their family, for their children, the chores, uh, the dinners, and that gets completely neglected. And so when I asked them to write down how many times they took their children to the playground or the, their activities, and they start to write it down, and, and it's like, oh, I do so much. And they start to acknowledge their own effort, and their confidence starts to rise. Now, right. I have a different group of people who do this exercise, and they are still not happy. Right. But I, think, I still think this exercise is very important because mm. what it shows that whatever they do, it doesn't satisfy them. Right, right. And this is this is like a red flag for us. Mm. And I would ask them, you know, what needs to happen um, for you to start really feel good about what mm. you do? So how can we bring more things into your life? What do you need to start maybe doing more, feeling more of, so that you can start feeling more satisfied on a regular basis? And they start, well, I really want to do more exercise, like physical exercise, mm. or um, do more writing, or spend more time with my family. And then we start uh, really like defining those activities mm. and inserting them. So this exercise is, is really important for both, for raising your confidence, but also like really start changing how how your life feels or how your work feels. What do you think, Anthony? I'm loving it. I'm actually gripped. It sounds like you're doing amazing work. You're really helping people identify the things that they need to find time for. They need to make the time for in their life if they really want to be happy. And they they might even realize that, you know, the research is something that they want to do, but it's that their happiness isn't going to come ultimately from their thesis, but things like spending more time with their family, and, and and it's to get a good balance of, of work and, and the other things that are important in our lives. Yeah, yes, and this is uh, what we call putting your life off hold. Right. Because with, with the PhD thesis, with so many PhD students that I talked maybe um, half a year away from the submission or a year away, the whole life gets put on hold. Right. So they, they're not like exercising or they're not right. going to see anything like and when I we start to introduce it into their life mm. actually it feeds back into their thesis because they start being more clear and they have right. they start to experience more motivation 
maybe because they just want to move on or maybe they rekindle the passion for the subject, which they may have, but there are so many other complications that go on top of it, like bad relationship with the supervisor, someone in the lab is really bullying them. This is all the things I deal with, you know, I help them go through. So this, this is important to actually put your life off hold. Right. And this is where, why, why we defined why we define with them the work-life balance that works for them now, not right. in three months' not time, in months not in one year's time, but now. Well, I really could have used you throughout my 20s, Olga, because yeah. this uh, gives me just a complete vision of myself. I always thought, well, I can do that, these things that I want to do after this. I, but this never came because there was always another deadline. I remember when I was, even when I was creating my online course, um, I expected that to take a couple of months. It ended up taking eight months, and there was, and that meant, in a way, I, I put a lot of my life on hold for eight months. Now I've got a much better balance. So I really appreciate what you're saying. It's I, I very much identify with it, and I think the transformation that you're bringing to the world is one that is so badly needed right now. So I'm really glad that we're able to put this information out to people and say, you know. You need to do some of the things that make your life fulfilling, you know, every week, uh, uh, all the time. You can't wait until after a deadline to do it. So how do you help people deal with deadlines in a stress-free manner? Oh, yes. This is one of my favorite topics because I have such a good relationship with deadlines and I know it puts a lot of stress on people. They're like, oh, they're gasping if they hear the word deadline, right? Because it's it has even the, the word dead in it, right? right. It's like you drop dead. That's so <laughs> it, funny. It, and I have to say, really, uh, yeah. before you go on, like when I was at uni, um, procrastinating a paper before a deadline then spending all night up to finish the paper and getting an A for that paper was such a thrill. But I was like, why can't I write like that all the time? Why do I need the deadline to have all night to, to be able to force myself to stay up all night and and write and write? Um, I don't recommend that approach for anyone else. So I want to know your approach so that people. Well don't. With the example you just said, I I know many listeners will be familiar with, and it, it works. It works for some, but it doesn't work always. So we want to know, you know, how to do it more sustainably, and it actually works better for for younger um, ages. But now, like yeah. myself and a lot of my followers, you know, we are moving like after 30, after 40, and it's like, it, it doesn't yeah. work the same way, you get, you know, you can't put a full, you know, all night yeah. for like three days. Yeah, and also it didn't work for me, because all the way up to the deadline, I was giving myself shit for not working on my paper, I, I didn't leave it to the last minute because I wanted to, I left it because I couldn't force myself to do it right up until the last minute. So it, it didn't work for me, even though I might have got some results that I liked and I got a high from staying up all night. It really wasn't the situation I wanted to be in because it had a detrimental effect on my self-esteem. Yeah. So I want to start this conversation by, by, by really looking what what is a deadline is. You know, the, 
actually, it, it is known about the work that if there is no deadline, no work gets done. Right. Actually, the work has this property to take all the time allotted. Right. Okay, and then we, we also know it when the deadline is moved, we somehow, we sometimes hate it because we know that the, for another week we're still going to be busy with the thing because the work just takes all the time allotted. Okay, so, and this is why it is so difficult for scientists to, to work on a paper because often there, there are no deadlines for a paper. Right. And so the, there is no work gets done for months or sometimes even years. So right. that, that just stays in, in the drawer. So the deadline is actually good. Okay. So you need to start to view the deadline as, as your friend, as something that actually allows the work oh, gets done. And maybe you want to even rename it. You, you can say lifeline. What is your right. lifeline? Right? So, and if you look at this this way, so the deadline, and none of the deadlines really is written in the sto in stone. Some are, and like for example, universities say, you know, if you don't submit by this day, that's it. We cross your name off our list. So this is a hard deadline, but there are very few of those actually, especially in an academia. Maybe in contrast to business, where there are more like hard deadlines. We, we have our deadlines are there um, often postponed or you can email to your supervisor. Mm. What is important there is to really show that you're making progress. Right. So what you can do is that you, you know the, the, the deadline and you don't just put it in your calendar. Yeah, put it in your calendar, but then start counting backwards right. and see how much time do you have. So, for example, if you have three weeks to meet this deadline, start asking yourself, what do you want to have done for this by the end of each week. Right. Well, if, if it's like a longer deadline, you know, it's like a six-month deadline, which I have PhD students coming to me and say, I have to submit in six months. Again, break it down into six months, or usually we do it actually by week. Count their um, number of weeks, and then see what uh, how much time you have available. So maybe there are some travels, maybe you need to go to a friend's wedding, maybe there are some holidays. So cross them out. See what time is available. Again, count the number of weeks and start asking yourself, what, what do you want to, to get done by the end of each week? If, if it's your predominant activity, right? And then this is how you keep yourself on track. Right. Okay. So you break it again. You're breaking it down into smaller, manageable chunks. Yeah, I think this is like the the biggest mistake we make in relationship with deadline that we have that date and the goal. Right. And there is nothing else. Right. So right. Right. So, so then it's very difficult to deal with that. So yeah, absolutely. Create intermediate, smaller deadlines, and smaller goals. Now, the other thing I wanted to share with you in relationship to deadlines is um, is how to f force doing some work now right. instead of postponing it until later. Now, what, what actually happens is that uh, we, we procrastinate, we postpone, we postpone, but then the pressure of the deadline becomes so high 
that we yield to it and we start doing work. Right. Now, this pressure is different for different people. Right. Some start a, a week before, you know, if they had like mm. three weeks to line the procrastinate for two weeks and they start. Some start a day before, start, some start at the deadline. And some only start after, because right. that's how much pressure they need. Right. So um, you can actually use it to your own advantage and generate it artificially, like from, you know, or consciously, so to say. And right now, if you have a deadline three weeks away and usually procrastinate until maybe three days before, one day before, you know, start asking yourself, what if the deadline would be in a couple of days' time? What mm. would I do in this case? Right. And then come up with those tasks that pop into your mind. And then, you know, just do them. Right. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just do those tasks that you would do when the deadline is near. Because... This is a problem that we do. We just do like research, mm. we look around, right. we we just do all the things that we wouldn't usually do if the deadline is very near. So this is my trick and this is how I manage the, the many activities that I do. I just like, what is the core? What really needs to be done? What will bring me closer to that final um, outcome that I need? Anthony, is it helpful? Oh, it's all very, very helpful. It's great to hear you. I mean, th I can hear the just the wealth of experience and how that you've really seen this work for people, starting with yourself. Okay, this is this is exciting. This is good because yeah, people can really use it. Like today, if they are if they are really freaking out about a deadline, right? They they can do it. Right, right. So, talk a little bit about how people can feel like they're more in control of their day, like they're in charge of their day, not so much just being exacted by outside pressures and um, going on autopilot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a topic that's so dear to my heart because I think this is like the biggest change I made for myself, because this is how I felt back then. That's the rock bottom that I described for you, that I'm not in charge. Everyone wants something of me. It's like I'm on autopilot. And things are happening and I'm reacting to them. So how can I change that? And... They, when I found the answer, it really blew my mind because it was just so so unusual and nothing that was discussed in my circles ever. So, um, they, you know, by making to-do lists and plans, we are trying to control our day, our week, but that, that's not really where the real control comes because we only have control over just a couple of things like real control. So I would name our thoughts, our beliefs, and the actions we take. Right. Everything else is just illusion. If we think we can control our relatives or 
spouse or children, right? There is a lot of right. this, um, of you know, parenting advice, control your children or control your day in terms of like to-do list, making plan, writing like your day down to a minute, what you're going to do. Of course, then life comes in the way. So when you really want to experience real control, they, it comes from those, from your thoughts, from beliefs and, and, and the actions you take. And that was really um, like a big surprise for me because I never heard about this before that we actually can can choose that. We can become conscious of what, what am I thinking? And mm. and this is a huge conversation that I'm having with, with my clients and followers is that we have that negative thinking um, uh, record playing in our uh, in our heads and this is affecting how we show up at our work you know are we complaining are we feeling like a victim and that would uh, then result in in what kind of action we take are we are we taking inspired action or are we taking it oh I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm such a victim or this is not doing right she's holding my data back he's not responding and and so on and so on and if we start to control it, if we start to in, literally in, invite or practice new kind of thoughts or set the new beliefs that we would practice out loud that become more normal for us, the action can be totally different that we take that day. And that, does any of that resonate with you, Anthony? I'm just really listening to everything you're saying and taking it in. So, basically, if I get you right, you help people put their attention on what they can change instead of focusing on outside factors. You know, turn your attention into what are you thinking, what what beliefs might you have that are holding you back or, or limiting you, and how can you create a better relationship uh, with yourself to, to take charge of your day? Absolutely. So, we have... Um uh, a big part of my work is that conversation of understanding what's in your way. Mm. And a, lo- a lot of the things it's you, we are getting in our own way. So understanding what are your negative thought patterns, what are your limiting beliefs, what, the, what are the rules you've created that are not allowing you to step up and, and do your work. And, and those could be... Those are such as, I don't know enough, I'm not good enough, I can't finish anything I start, I'm too slow, I'm too old for this, I'm, it, this will be rejected, they won't like it, my supervisor will criticize it and I can't take criticism very well. So this is a, uh, these are the thoughts, I actually write them down for my clients and ask them, do you resonate? And like nearly all of them say, yeah. Everything. So this is this is the thought patterns we go by, and if we start paying attention to them, and what we do, we turn them around, and and say that I am doing my best. Right. I will get to know everything I need as I progress with my project. Everything I need to know will come to me at at the right time. It's okay to ask for help. It doesn't mean that. I'm not good enough or I'm not at the right position. It's okay to ask for help. 
um, the successful people, they always have someone behind them, helping them. So uh, I'm too slow. We turn around and say, um, slow and steady beats it. Right. Right. Slow and steady is better than um, rushing around and trying to get everything done. And so on and so on. So we work on this and turning it around and introducing this new thought patterns and new beliefs that they need practice. Every day they need practice and then they become more normal in your day. And then what people report back is that they inspire them to take a different action. Nice. Nice. And, and the good thing about it that it's all in your control. It's not like, oh, let's think together how we can change that person, right? Right. So that he appreciates you, right? No. This is not going to work. No. Right. Or how can we think, oh, that they hire you, you know, for sure. That's not going to work. That's out of your control. Or that your paper gets published for sure in that journal. Again, this is out of your control. And I give you a lot of strategies to my clients how, how to do this, how to increase your chances. But what we work on, it's just like with a client, it's just you and you, right? It's just right. you work with your own thoughts and beliefs. And they're, one of the amazing things that come out of it since I've mentioned appreciation, I was like, oh, he doesn't respect me. He doesn't appreciate me. I say, what can you do this week to appreciate yourself? Right. To appreciate your own efforts. Right. And then we come up with some simple things. So maybe to really write them all down and say, yes, I did it. Right. Or maybe there, there could be a couple of other things. Maybe give yourself some time to relax because you appreciate yourself, mm. right? Give yourself some time off. And there's some amazing things happened. Several clients reported that that person actually changed. They start to appreciate you as well because uh, there is this dynamic that changes because you walk around differently knowing your own value. Has, has anything like this happened to you before? You've heard about it? Well, I noticed that over the years I've improved my relationship with myself significantly. And it's hard to really pin down the things that have changed because I'm so still in the middle of the journey, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how often I've sat down and gone... And being able to say, you know, when, when I'm thinking this way, I sh- it's having a negative effect on me. I mean, I notice that I'm thinking that way, but I feel so involved with the thought process. And the emotion overtakes me when I'm in that place. And sometimes i found better ways of dealing with that. Like, I notice that if I just do nothing for 20 minutes and just you know, sit and focus on my feelings, I will feel different 20 minutes later. I guess I've learned to say, if I, my thoughts are just a reflection of how I'm feeling at the moment, and just because I'm thinking anxiously or negatively now, it doesn't mean that I'll still be thinking that way 
in 20 or 30 minutes from now. I, I don't know. I know that's not exactly what you said, uh, what you've been saying, but I've just, I'm just reflecting my experience. Um, yeah, yeah, this kind of complements it. It's really, it's, it's really, really powerful what you just described. That's something I, I have personally experienced with as well. It's, it's so powerful. Like, I'm, I'm really excited we are talking about yeah. it because if can, people can learn this technique of just sitting there and just being there with your emotions because we we constantly need to do something right. that's right. everything it's like we transform from human beings to human doings yes and if you are not doing any something we are lazy and we are not good right. enough it looks like we constantly need to prove that yeah. we deserve that workplace that we have but just right. sitting there like you said for 20 minutes it can totally shift, you know, how you feel about yeah. the situation because the thoughts come down, the thoughts change, and you can yeah. introduce some more positive thoughts, and your action in the end can be totally different. So, yeah, and people find that difficult to do without putting YouTube on because they think they're wasting their time. Yeah. But actually... You need time to assimilate the information that you take in. You know, learning is great, but you also need to process what you've learned. And if you don't take a break and just not put things in your head, not put new things in your head, you're not giving your system a chance to integrate the things that you have put in your head. And then your system tries to do that when you're sleeping, so your your quality of sleep won't be as good. So... It's very important. I mean, it's not it's not easy to do it first because people are so unused to doing it and you get restless and you get bored and, and you want to just do something. But I believe that if people took the time to just even sit for 20 minutes a day without the television on, without doing anything, it could it could really have a massive effect on, on their mental health over the long term. Yeah, yeah. Sitting... Or we also talk about strolling in nature. Yes. We could be uh, also similar facts. And the, the ladies that I worked with reported it back and said, oh, wow, I didn't expect it's going to make yeah. such a huge effect. We talk about 15-minute stroll in the afternoon. Oh. If, if they can't have a nap, you know, because they're at the university, nap would, you know, would be also good. But uh, we all feel a bit like groggy in the afternoon, tired. 15 minutes show, uh, a lot of universities have beautiful campuses with lots of trees, and you just stroll there being there without worrying about anything, 15 minutes a day only, and they come back in two weeks and say, oh, wow, this is a huge effect. I feel so much more refreshed. I have these new ideas. And, yeah, it's a very, very exciting. We talk about it because it's a very powerful tool and only takes very little time. Yes, it's a stroll is something that I love, and I love it when I, I know that I've got to walk somewhere, because I've got an excuse, you know, for my 20, 25 minute walk at, into town or, or whatever, it really doesn't matter what it is, and nature is, of course, or through the park is better, and when I was staying in Edinburgh, I'd often take the long way home, because it would go through the meadows, and just yeah. even just being there for that short time would just feel clear the energy out for me, clear out the cobwebs. And 
I'd uh, arrive at my destination refreshed and looking forward to my walk back. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh, I I can just picture it because I spent so many years in Edinburgh and I know what what you mean when you say meadows and stuff. Right. Right. So one thing that another thing that you do is you help people create a vision that will help them improve their situation and start attracting opportunities that excite them. Before we go, can you please tell us a little bit about that? That sounds very exciting. Well, it's all about up-leveling their career. So, of course, new scientists and there there is a lot of this talk about the career and there is lots of career fairs. But what I'm trying to do is slightly different from from what's offered there at the universities and to really get them to to think what they want for them um, by dropping uh, boundary conditions. Like it's just because they they think about their future, be the, if they are PhD student, you know, about their first postdoc or working in the industry or further in, in the career, you know, what kind of university, like what kind of tenure I can have or where I can be an assistant professor or lecturer. Um, they look at the boundary conditions. That's like a scientific term, but it, I think it's appropriate here. It's like, okay, what's available out there? What's other people kind of report? What, what is, would be a normal path? And I'd like to just kind of get them off that thinking and ask them, you know, what would you like to do if there wouldn't be any boundary conditions, if there wouldn't be any restrictions, limitations, and sometimes even ask this question, you know, if money, people's opinions, health and geographical limitations wouldn't be an issue, you know, what would your ideal working um, uh, average day would be? I've learned that question from one of the programs I went myself but, um, several years ago. But when you ask yourself this question, there is a bit of a, like a tingling going on inside you because mm. suddenly those limitations mm. just stop dropping or, or moving away. And you're like, oh, I would do this and this and this. And some of them get excited or some of them are just like don't have any vision mm. because they never allow themselves to ask this question. Mm. So this is one kind of part of work that I do. And and the other one is really to help them see what are their unique talents and abilities are. What are what are they love doing? Because a lot of focus in academia goes into improving your weaknesses. Maybe in other parts as well, like, oh let's identify your weaknesses and improve them. Oh you just hate this. Like like, why would you do this? Why can't you just identify your unique brilliances, talents, uh, your zone of excellence, and do more of that? Right, right. You could skyrocket by just focusing on it a little bit more. And also, on we talk about that notion of actually doing more of what you love and actually allowing yourself that reality that you do what you love for work. Right. It's like, 
in a way, a lot of scientists go into science because they love doing it, but then the reality is, you know, is not as rosy as they thought because there is still this um, difficult relationships and, and grants and funding, and and the work sucks the energy out of them. Mm. So my role is to encourage them to still believe that they can do work that gives them energy. Like right. I leave that example. Like every time I get off the call, I go around the house jumping out right. from energy, and my children are like, "Mom, what's up?" And I'm just like, "I just had a call with my client, yeah. and it's yeah. just it just burst out of me, right?" And they and many people who I talk to, they're like, "Really? Is it yeah. even possible?" So this is my role to kind of give them that space to even dream and explore, and many of them don't even know what what are they talent side because they for so long they just did what they are good at which is not necessarily the same as what you love or what you really really um you know what excites you okay right right and that's something everyone could benefit from having in their life kind of the work that makes you feel energized and excited to be alive and i wish that for everyone so before we wrap up, um, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I feel like people will get so much value out of this. I mean, I, I feel a little bit excited and buzzed out by our conversation, Olga. Yeah, you're welcome. I really enjoyed that. Please tell people where they can find out more about you. Give them your critical details and they can download your free gifts from your website. Yeah, so my hub or my website is olgadektareva.com and the company is Productivity for Scientists. So this is how you can search Productivity for Scientists. And I published there just a short while ago, once a week. Now it's once every week, one every two weeks. And I publish mm. there videos with strategies. Oh, good. So um, it's like one or two strategies that you can apply immediately. So that's what you can find there. And if you download the free resources that are at the top of the website, there are the poster, the list of these 126 uh, things to be productive right now. You will also receive automatically those video strategies into your email box. The other, and I have a Facebook page productivity for scientists and I do a lot of activities there like Facebook lives in fact tomorrow I'm giving Facebook live mm. and um, on allowing yourself to write imperfectly and so on I, I'm, I'm often there so it's just really I like engaging it it also gives me energy to do my work just really seeing people's real life examples and questions and stories so I'd invite everyone to connect with me Thank you so much and thank you for all you're doing to help people and help them unlock their creativity and their potential so that they can share that with the world. Yeah, you're welcome and thank you so much for this opportunity. It was really fun and really, really enjoyed that. Me too. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That was Olga Dagtereva. If you want to find her, type Productivity for Scientists Limited into Google. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the Be Yourself and Love It podcast for more great interviews. 
while you're at it, click on to beyourselfandloveit.com and check out my personal development course. I put it together over eight months to give you access to key insights in the right order with exercises to help you work through all sorts of blocks in your personal development process. Until next week, be yourself. Well, don't just be yourself. Be yourself and love it.